0: Hey friend, thanks for listening to the Compared To Podcast today. I'm Heather Creekmore. I'm glad you're here. One of my favorite people in the world is with me today, Amy Carlson. She's a registered dietitian. She's an eating disorder specialist. She is a woman who loves God and she knows the Bible. Y'all, she digs into scripture. And today we go deep. We're in Romans. That was probably enough to let you know we go deep. But we're going to talk about letting go of these stigmas around good foods and bad foods. And what does the Bible say about that? Does the Bible say anything about good foods versus bad foods? I think we've been taught some things maybe even in church. That aren't necessarily true when it comes to how the Bible speaks about food. So today we're going to go there. I hope you're ready. And I really hope that you will share. It's going to be two episodes that you'll share these episodes with a friend. Engage your friends in conversations about these things because there's a lot of information we've collected from culture and maybe even Christian culture that doesn't necessarily match scripture. So start having healthy conversations, and we'll all get healthier that way. Okay, thanks for listening. I'm glad you're here. Let's go. The pressure is off. If you're looking for real talk, biblical encouragement, and regular reminders that God loves you and you're not alone, you've come to the right place. I hope you enjoy today's show and hey, tell a friend about it. Amy Carlson, thanks for being on the Compared Who show. Thanks for having me back. I'm ready if you are to tackle another another tough subject. I bring Amy on every time I want to talk about something really tough, but that's because if you've listened to Amy before, you know, she is a deep well of knowledge on the science side of things. She's an eating disorder specialist. She's a non-dietitian. She knows her stuff, but she also knows her word she knows her Bible. And so I'm just delighted that Amy was willing to come and tackle this topic of letting go of these categories of good foods Mm. and bad foods. Because Amy, I think even as Christians, like we know we're not like, I mean, there there may be some Jewish people listening, but like for you and I, we're not from a Jewish background. And so it's easy for us to be like, there's still food, there's food rules in the Bible. And that's mm-hmm. a normal thing. <laughs> um, yeah. Why can't mm-hmm. we have food rules now? Like maybe, okay, they're not rules about kosher stuff, but, well, aren't food rules. That sounds very biblical. So, so explain to me this whole like good food, bad food thing. Like what's wrong with that from a science dietitian perspective? Like what's the danger in that?
1: Well, Quite honestly, you know, because I've been a dietitian now for a really long time. It is a really long time, Heather Creekmore. <laughs> it's a long time, actually. Time out for Amy to ponder. Yeah, her life. to ponder my longevity in this field. <laughs> Somebody said, "Is it weird that you're like now on the?" like the, the more experienced end of your career. I was like, uh, like more experienced. Yeah, that is it. <laughs> um, just from an experience standpoint, um, first of all, food rules change. They have mm-hmm. changed throughout the centuries. If you look at any great book on anti-diet or, um, and you get a history of dieting, you know, macronutrients go in and out of, um, one is, the hero of the day, a macronutrient is the hero. We all know which one is right now. And, um, another one is demonized and really looked at as, um, wow, you're amazing. If you can avoid this macronutrient, of course, there's all different kinds of types of diets that support that. And, um, some studies thrown in there to support certain things. And I get a lot of pushback, you know, in sessions when people are in recovery or the recovering kind of from the dieting culture, Um, with, but what about this, but what about this? And the overarching problem just from a nutrition standpoint is that whenever we put in a macronutrient, Um, we, we elevate it to a place of superiority and we put it on a pedestal and then it becomes the thing that we're obsessing about the thing that we're obsessing about not eating. Um, It becomes, it takes up our mind space. It usually means, you know, food works really synergistically together. I mean, that's how God made her bodies. They're just amazing because different macronutrients also are coupled with different micronutrients. So if we're really only eating a certain you know, let's say if we're really focusing on protein, we're really missing out on a lot of uh, vitamins and minerals that we would be getting if we were eating, you know, all three. And so just from a nutrition standpoint, it's really not helpful. It's really Mm -hmm. not helpful. And what it does is it often creates a restrictive mindset, obviously, and it creates a deep burning (laughs) desire, typically for the foods that we're not letting ourselves eat. And often leads to overeating and sometimes even binging. And so mm-hmm. it sort of creates its own problem. I mean, it, it's like supposed to be the solution, but it really creates its own set of problems. And that's just on a surface level. That's not even talking about what we're going to talk about today, which is kind of the hard issues behind things. But again, the research is always shifting. Um and really the end result is the same. Our bodies are really made for moderation and, um, and our bodies are really know what to do. And so we, we sort of make it a lot more complicated than it needs to be. It's a lot simpler than we, and we do that for many reasons because it makes us feel safe. Um, other people have had quote unquote success and we look to them as sort of, um, whoa, I want that too. And then they tell their story and, um, then we try it and then we fail and then we feel like we have no self-discipline. And so the cycle continues. So that's, that's my brief bullet point of why it can be unhelpful.
0: Yeah. Well, and I love that you said how the data is always changing. I just wrote in the book and actually I I just added this, to the book. So you actually haven't Amy, Amy's pre-read my book, but you haven't actually seen this, but I just added the illustration. A new study just came out on intermittent fasting. And mm. it showed they had two sample groups and they ate the same things. And the people who who <laughs> did IF exact same outcomes as the people who ate all day long. Yeah. And there's a funny quote from the man who like, led the study. He wow. was a diehard IF guy. And he's just like, I'm shocked because I swore by this. I was sure it was helping me. I was sure it was working. Yeah. And this data shows it didn't make a licks bit of <laughs> difference. And I just thought that was such a beautiful illustration though, yeah. for this <clears> truth <throat> that we latch on to yeah. research and mm-hmm. we believe not just you know maybe not just the the like this will help me lose weight aspect of it but they're like oh this is going to make my blood work better this is going to you know keep me safe from disease
1: and yeah. that's only true until the next study comes out yeah something yeah. different right? it's true and not only you're exactly right and what is so disorienting about that is that it may be true for somebody, right? And we could talk about all the reasons why that is, because of really what's happening and, and it again, that's we always say that's another podcast, which usually means other will have me back on. Right. Which makes me very happy. Um, we could talk about all the reasons why it does quote unquote work. Um, but what often happens is we look at one person's story of why that thing worked. And then we keep trying to put our, it's a Cinderella shoe. We're trying to put Mm -hmm. our foot in this glass slipper. That's like, it's not fitting and it must be something wrong with my body and I must not be doing it right. I'm going to try it again. And, and so we become so deducted and actually our labs get worse and our Mm -hmm. body begins to rebel. And we, because this isn't, our bodies weren't meant for that. And so and then we have the, the, uh, actually the mental space that is not rewarded by this. Mm-hmm. And it creates sort of this, um, I mean, our, our anxiety goes up with low blood sugar and, um, we just feel the the tension of wanting, you know, starting again on Monday and, and trying the whole thing. So it's, it really becomes a, a cycle of despair yeah. where we feel like we, we can't really sit at the table with everyone else. It's too hard. And we try to, you know, guard our calendars against being quote unquote tempted. And so it's just, it's an exhausting, exhausting way to live. And yeah. for believers, it's really not how we're called to live. Yeah.
0: I was watching something. My my husband loves to watch YouTube videos. And so he was, he was actually <laughs> watching something and I was in the room. Yeah. <laughs> so to say I was watching it, but not, not by yeah. choice necessarily, <laughs> but um, there's a, a minister. I think he's close to you geographically, Vadi Bakalan. Mm -hmm. And it was about, it was a culture wars kind of, he wasn't talking about food and, you know, body stuff, but he kept talking about how all truth, capital T truth is God's truth. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting there thinking like, yes, like, I think that's where we go astray, right? We're like, oh, I've got to buy the truth of keto, Yeah. By the truth of paleo. And it's got this like data to back it up. And then I know mm-hmm. these five people that did it and it worked for them. And so it's truth right. and we invest in it. Like it's truth, yeah. but it's not capital T truth. And so I think for someone listening to that today, it might be a little confusing, like, okay, but the Bible doesn't say whether or not I should eat brownies. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So I do want to, I want us to dig into the word and we're going to dig into a passage in Romans 14, which you may or may not be familiar with if you're listening today, but it's a passage where Paul's kind of talking about a group of people that only eat vegetables and a group of people that eat meat and how they kind of, you know, judge each other. And and so we're going to get into that. But before we do like Amy, can the Bible lead us? in our food choices? Like, is that, is that reasonable? I mean, don't we know so much more now than (laughs) they knew when the Bible was written? I mean, like help, help, help someone who's being skeptical about this. Yeah. Help help them,
1: help them. Help them. Well, (laughs) this is, this is what we know to be true. We, we have, a lot of language um around um food and dieting now in our culture i mean a lot of language and i mean all you have to do is pull up pinterest or instagram or you know any platform at all really just get in your email and they'll probably come in advertisement about it but we also have a lot of language in the church around um our food and dieting and what has one of the things that has happened is that Certain scripture has been co-opted, um, sort of um, cherry-picked and used to support certain ways of eating or to support certain um, ways of doing things, as it has around our, our around the table. And actually, the food, the Bible has a lot to say about our food choices. In that, it has a lot to say about food fellowship. It has a lot to say about how Jesus interacted with people around the table. Mm -hmm. And as you know, since I've been on here before, how passionate I feel about the table, how passionate I feel as believers of how much community happens around the table, how much restoration and redemption and relationships happen around the table. So actually scripture has a lot to say about our food, um, but it has little to say About our choices, except for the heart behind our choices. So,
0: okay, friends. So, I am here today to tell you again about Tighten Your Tinkler because it's a really great program. You see, I would get up and pee. Uh, I lost count after 12 or 13 or 14 times a day, sometimes multiple times an hour. And I just assumed it was because I drink a ton of water while I'm working and that I had a small bladder. But Jen and Christina from Tighten Your Tinkler showed me that that wasn't exactly normal. Neither is it normal to have a little pee leak out when you cough or sneeze. I don't know about you, but I was always told that's just what happens to older women. If you have babies, then that's just part of the deal. But no, none of this is normal. Your muscles of your pelvic floor are muscles that need to be worked just like all the others. And it's not about Kegels and it's not about jamming anything up there. It's so much simpler than that. So today I want to tell you about the Tighten Your Tinkler Signature Program. You guys, this is one of the best programs I have ever pursued. I totally got my money's worth. They send you the equipment you need. You have videos that you follow. It's super easy to follow. They ah—they uh, really take care of you as they shepherd you through this program to strengthen and tighten your pelvic floor. If you want to find out more, go to TightenYourTinkler.com. They have a free quiz there. It takes like five minutes to fill out. And you can find out if this is a good fit for you. And if you decide it is, you can sign up for their signature program and save $50 just because you listen to this show. All you have to do is put in the coupon code area HEATHER, my name, in all capital letters, and you will save $50 on their Tighten Your Tinkler signature program. Women spend a ton of money to try to fix this problem. In fact, some have even gotten surgery and other things and I just, I would recommend that you start by checking out what Jen and Christina have to offer. They could have the solution for you. And if you're like me, they could change the number of times you pee <laughs> and that will make it all worth it. Check it out today. Um, you know, we could, we, we,
1: you and I have talked at length about how we have created whole diets out of certain scripture passages and which is not the intent of those scripture passages. Mm. So, so the Bible has a lot to say about the heart behind it and has a lot to say. Um, if we follow the life of Jesus, we can learn a lot about how he interacted with people. Um, and, and in such a, beautiful, powerful ways. And no, it it does not say a lot about brownies. Actually, I don't think the word brownies is in there actually, maybe (laughs) maybe at all. Um, It talks about, you know, feasting and celebration. It talks about fasting as you and I have talked on your podcast before. Um, It talks a lot about um, loving well. And in terms of our time at the table, it's usually the heart of the matter. So, and back to your good and bad food choices, I just want to say, Just to circle and close that loop for a minute, one of the things that I want to caution people is that we associate, quote unquote, good food choices, which is whatever diet you're following or whatever sort of research you're tracking, those good food choices, as a believer, as I have a self-control and um, trusting the Lord and I'm a good person morally. So we attach morality to the good food choices and we attach morality to quote unquote bad food choices, which means we attach the word gluttony. We attach the word, you know, self-control, lack of self-control mm-hmm. um, and maybe even lack of faith. Mm-hmm. That is dangerous <laughs> for us as believers yeah. to attach morality to that food and that's actually what Paul cautions us against doing. He yeah. speaks to the Jewish people that have become believers and he cautions them from attaching morality and we've done it. Man, we call clean, you know, unclean what is clean and Paul addresses that and um so he's cautioning believers and I think we need to make sure we address that on here. Is good food bad food is yeah. Oh lord, help me just to recognize that you're the only good in my life you're the only good in my life i i i am unclean before you, but you make me clean. You've already ascribed my worth and value on the cross and your resurrection. And so nothing here on earth, nothing that goes in my mouth can make me unclean. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for that.
0: Yeah. Well, and as you're talking, I was thinking about words we use around chocolate and <laughs> dessert, right? Sinful. Yeah. Guilty, guilty pleasure. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, I, I think for me personally, I was more worried about being sinful, quote unquote, sinful in my diet for a good part of my Christian walk Mm. than I was worried about actually offending the standards of God. Yeah. Right? Right. I think when those foods get labeled sinful and you're in that disordered eating, eating disorder, food fascination, follow the truth of diets, like when you're in that realm, I that, that those labels yeah. become dangerously confusing, right? Like, yeah. no, that's, mm-hmm. brownies are not sinful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Sin
1: is sinful. Sin is but sinful. Yeah. Eating
0: brownies is not, not sinful. Right?
1: I, I can't remember if I told you, but I had a dad in here, um, a while ago, some, some time ago, who's a believer, just a wonderful man. And um, we, he, they were here for their daughter. And um, he really pressed me on this and said, you know, why can we not treat this like every other vice? And I said, I, you know, food isn't a vice food is a gift from the Lord. And he said, but, but we use abstinence with alcohol. And I said, boy, I don't, i I said yeah and and we don't use abstinence with food. why would we treat an eating disorder with disordered eating? You know mm. that's not how that worked, yeah, and he really was kind of taking the pushing hard the twelve steps with um you know his daughter who has an eating disorder, and it was alarming to me to think how it was i I got passionate and sat on the edge of my seat, and you know said wow i this is um you know but is eating four brownies he actually used that sinful and I said do you think it's sinful Mm -hmm. and he said I I think it can be and so we we kind of sat there with that and we we got to pray together and um but I realized how much even young girls who are in recovery um have believing amazing believing parents you know, that are in particular, probably dads, um, that are, you know, can struggle with this and, and around it. And, and really it was, it was like, wow, we had to agree to disagree for a minute on on that. And, and I was so tender, you know, certainly wanting to be respectful, but recognizing you no know, brownies are not sinful, yeah you know, brownies are not sinful. Yeah.
0: Well, because I guess the argument goes, and I don't want to take us too off track because I want to stay to Romans, but I think the, argu- <laughs> the argument goes, I have, to, that's not being a good steward of your body. Yeah. That's right? the argument. So it, it's a stewardship argument, but I was thinking about this the other day. I, as I'm writing books, Amy, I spend way too much time just thinking, thinking. The oh, to and think then I come with up with ideas and then I add them and then I've got way too many words and yes. all the things. Um, but I was thinking like, are we that strict with our stewardship of our time? Right. Right. Like, or like, money or right? like or... if you're going to get strict with your counting, you know, counting food, then I think we got to get really strict with how we're counting our time. Right. Because that's, that is another thing we have to steward well. Wow. And our words and right? are we stewards uh, of words? our words? Oh. <laughs> I mean, if the list goes on. Yeah. Right. And Mm -hmm. so we have to choose with our time, with our words, with our money to do the best we can under grace. Right. Yeah.
1: Like why can't that apply
0: to our food too? Yeah. Right. I just, I I mean, I love, I don't know if you said it or if one of our other non-dietitian friends said how like overeating is a normative part of the human experience.
1: Yeah, it sure is. Like yeah. it's not, yeah.
0: you, sometimes you don't even know that you've overeaten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 30 right. minutes later. Right. Yeah. Like, right. Right. I thought I was still hungry. I kept right. eating. Oh, and,
1: and think about feast and famine. I mean, goodness, right. that was, that kept us alive for a very long time right. in, in the human race, feasting and famine, kept, you know, kept us alive. So right. I just, yeah, exactly. Amen. Yeah. Lord, teach us. We want to know. <laughs> Yeah, amen
0: okay do you have Romans pulled up I think we should read it I first do. would yeah, you mind I've reading it? it
1: I do you want me to read the whole thing Romans 14 uh, yeah what do you want me to read let's read through uh
0: let's see how far do we need to go um is it the whole chapter
1: well, I, it's, I have 14 1 through 20 let's see 1 through 22 23 yeah let's do it let's okay. do it as for the one who is weak in faith welcome him One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself. And none of us dies to himself, for if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be the Lord, both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of our brother. I know And am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. Amen. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. But of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats it's good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has Mm -hmm. no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah, Mm -hmm. thanks for reading that. Mm -hmm. I, I think- we're going to, we're going to do a second
0: episode where we're going to finish this. But before we get to that one, I think that verse about the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. I think I that know. one has to be said louder for the people in the back.
1: I know right? I'm going to read it again. Where is that um, um, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy spirit. Yes. And amen. Yeah. Yes. And amen. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Yeah. Amen. Well, Amy, in the next episode, we're going to dig deeper into the context of this verse. And then, boy, there's a whole lot in there. Like, are we supposed to be vegetarians? Or are we supposed to be like paleo and only eat meat? I don't know. It's not paleo that only eats meat. What is it? Um, carnivore? Is that it? Conor, carnivore only eats yeah. meat? So it's like the carnivores versus the vegetarians here in Romans yeah. 14. No, I don't think that's what it is. But um, but I can't wait to dig into this. So come back and listen to the next episode with Amy and we're going to dig in more. Thanks for listening today. I hope something. Hey there, before you go, if something from today's show blessed you, may I ask a huge favor? Leave a review on your favorite platform. Seeing your five-star reviews is a huge encouragement to me. is right for you. I'm so honored to be a part of your journey out of body image and comparison frustration. And I can't wait to hear how God is working to set you free. Compared to Who is now on the Edify podcast app. Do you have this app yet? Grab it in your Apple app store or in Google Play store. There's so much great Christian content on the Edify podcast app. I hope you grab it today. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. Hey there, it's Carly Mercouillier, host of Therapy and Theology, a weekly podcast that explores popular topics and questions related to faith, feelings, and spiritual formation. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.